Today we have two amazing guests on, Chris Long and Sarah Evans, on their new partnership to bring and scale clean water systems to East Africa. Chris Long is a two-time Super Bowl champion and 2018 Walter Payton NFL Man of the Year award winner. He is also the creator of the Chris Long Foundation, which mobilizes ambassadors, service providers, and experts to help communities access clean water, address basic needs for youth and families, and inspire others to make an impact at home and abroad. Their vision is access and opportunity everywhere. To date, the Water Boys Initiative has provided clean water to over 500,000 people in need. And with this new partnership with WellAware, they're looking to scale that to over a million and beyond. Sarah Evans is the co-founder and CEO of Well Beyond, a social enterprise providing expertise and the tools to organizations and governments on water development and health initiatives. She's also the founder of WellAware, an international nonprofit that funds and implements clean water systems for impoverished communities in Africa. WellAware is known for its sustainability model in building lasting water systems with high impact. Under her leadership, WellAware's reputation for project success and cost effectiveness has prompted numerous collaborations with other NGOs worldwide to guide their water infrastructure projects. Their project success rate is 100% versus 40% industry average. Let's get into the conversation. Well, thank you so much, Sarah and Chris, for joining me today. Super excited to chat about both of your journeys into the issue of clean water and the partnership that that you struck just just now recently. And uh, the work that's going to be done is is probably going to be pretty incredible. Before we sort of get started, I kind of wanted to down both of your paths into how did the issue of clean water even come into your lives? Because you know it's it's such a, a nascent issue a little bit here in the U.S., um, but globally it's it's a big deal. So so Sarah, if you want if you want to go first, talk a little bit about your journey into clean water. Yeah, I um, was not planning on this to be my career. Chris knows I was a, a lawyer and um, on a, a pretty decent uh, career path, but I met a friend who asked if I would help on this project to raise some funding for this project that she was doing in Kenya. And I thought, well, yeah, sure, you know, I'll, I'll help. That sounds exciting. And I'll rewind just a bit because coincidentally, I in undergrad, I majored in civil engineering and then I went to law school and I focused on environmental engineering and I worked for EPA uh, in clean water. And so the project that was brought to my attention was to revive uh, this community in Kenya. But, and her plan was to raise the money to buy some livestock because that is the the main source of livelihood for the Maasai community there. And I said, yes, I'm in, let's do this. And as I do, I, I, I started to get sort of obsessed with the project. And I thought, well, I found through my research that the, the livestock were dying because they didn't have water mm-hmm. on, a, on a regular basis. And because there was such a dramatic uh, lack of water, it was causing almost all the other problems in this region right. and all of the regions who are in similar circumstances. And so I said, hey, you know what? Let's let's instead uh let's drill a well and then we can <laughs> replace the livestock and we can have all these other incredible impacts. Um and everybody agreed. Uh and then we had no idea what we were doing, but we were <laughs> classic, <laughs> classic way to start. No clue. But we uh, we raised the money and we did that first project, and then that was the the pivotal mo- moment of my life when I decided decided that I would direct my all of my efforts toward this cause. Wow, Chris, you want to jump in and talk a little bit about your journey? Yeah, sure. 
Yeah, I don't think anything happens on accident, but it sure felt like just kind of luck ending up in Tanzania for me. And, um, you know, obviously as a football player uh, in the NFL, I had spent most of my time doing that uh, in the off seasons. Yeah. I was training. It was kind of a pretty routine kind of lifestyle for me, routine oriented. And I wanted to bust out of that a little bit one off season. And I had a new coach named Jeff Fisher. And I remember, I always remember like going in his office and meeting him. And he had this picture of, um, people climbing Kilimanjaro and he was up there and I said, you know, I'd really like to do that one day. And, uh, course he didn't want me to do it while i played but i decided to do it anyways while i played and i went to tanzania stayed in arusha spent time in moshi wow uh did the climb came down i had one of my best buddies one of my teammates with me and we were at the bar having a drink afterwards and in walks uh joe buck uh who's a baseball announcer and a football <clears throat> announcer if you know him but he's also a missouri guy and at the time i was playing in st louis so once we got over the shock of running into each other, I asked him why he was there and he int introduced me to a guy named Doug Pitt and we, we they were there on a water project. And so hmm. uh, they kind of spent the evening telling me and my friend James Hall about, you know, the obvious uh, delta between, you know, how we live and how Tanzanians live when it comes to access to clean water. Um, it was something that I picked up on while I was there, but they really helped color in the lines for me and couldn't join them on a project the next day. But when I got home, I really marinated on, I was at this intersection where I wanted to start a foundation, but didn't know exactly what kind of work I wanted to get into. And I'm very pragmatic. I'm very into efficiency and being very purposeful uh, with my time and efforts and with donor money. And sure. I just love, you know, the fact that when you donate to water, I mean, not only are you answering a call that's absolutely necessary in that, like in Tanzania, for instance, less than 50% of the people in rural areas have clean water. Uh, it's it's a dire need, but it's also a very straight line to success. You really mm. feel like if you give money to this cause, you can illustrate to donors where their money's going, how far it's going, and uh, and all the different areas that it can touch, not just, you know, uh, quenching somebody's thirst or saving a life, but there's so many uh, areas. It's a multi multifaceted problem, but there's so many solutions as well when, when you implement clean water. So for me, I was, I was sold and started Water Boys, and now almost a decade later, we're still rolling and we've got new partners and super excited. Yeah. So let's talk about the the partnership. So Chris Long Foundation, the Water Boys Initiative and Well Aware sort of partnering up now after you've both had, you know, a decade long to, to kind of doing your work separately and, and kind of coming together. I guess how did this manifest? Like how does the partner like partnership like this come together? And I guess what are some of the goals that you want to achieve together? Yeah, I, I think I'm not entirely sure. I do think that there's a, a team at the Water Boy or at the Chris Long Foundation who were actively seeking um, a, a really good new quality partner. And so we had some conversations and we realized it was a really excellent fit. And so we've launched our work together uh, this year. I, and I, I think it's a lovely fit because of what Chris uh, and his foundation and his team bring to the table for our, our joint mission is obvious. Um, they are just really, really good at spreading um, the word and Chris's heart and passion. And Well Aware has become quite good at the integrity of our project work and the longevity of our work and maintain a very high success rate. And we're innovating with new technology to further that success rate and long longevity of the water systems. So I feel like it's just a really lovely 
lovely union and I'm excited to see how it unfolds. Yeah. Was that, was that part of the reason that you, you reached out to, to them, Chris, because their efficiency has, has been incredible. And I think Absolutely. they've implemented technology yeah. in ways that others, you know, might not have, have gotten to quite yet. They're sort of innovated yeah. in that approach. Was that kind of what, what called you to well aware? Well, we were looking for a partner that was uh, located in Austin. So I could take a trip to Austin a couple of times. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, so we we had, we were really it was an exhaustive search and we wanted you know a new partner um, uh, you know add add somebody to the arsenal for a lot of the reasons that we you know y- y'all just touched on the innovation the efficiency these are words that they definitely ring a bell for me and, and get me excited about working with with Wellware and you know I, I think the exciting part about it is I mean you look at things like the app the Wellware app um, yeah. you know well beyond you're talking about drilling a well but there's such a, a yeah. It's not just dropping a well in the ground and then just say, okay, we're done. Yeah. There is um, a stewardship process and a process where, you know, your implementing partner on the ground needs to, you know, have a way to communicate with the the people that are using the water and um, trying to use it efficiently and trying to get the most out of it. So things like the app, things like, you know, well aware, having kind of a foothold that they're putting down in Kenya and we wanted to do more work in Kenya. So there's a lot of reasons, um, Austin included, that we, we, uh, uh, we joined up with Delaware. <laughs> I wanted to touch on some things you, you mentioned before, Chris, around you know economic development and the empowerment of communities, where you know the simple thing of water can bring these domino effects to to a community. Mm-hmm. For those who who haven't been able to, to to be on the ground, right, and go see these projects or implement these things, what is it like on the ground there when a well gets installed? What, what kind of economic value and, and empowerment does that bring to communities? Well, there's the very tangible stuff. Like, I mean, and first off, again, coming back to it, it's when we bring, we go over, we just went to Tanzania to uh, to do our Conquering Killy initiative, which we love. It's bringing vets and athletes together and some donors to climb Kilimanjaro. The reason that I went over in the first place and to catch the same bug, to go visit these uh, these villages and, and, and not just the villages that we're putting a well in, we're going to traditional well sites to see kind of the difference in, in um, that, that something like this makes. And so, you know, like first we'll take our group to a traditional well site. It's sobering. You get to meet some really wonderful, bright people who have this huge problem that has become normalized. I mean, if you pour a kid a glass of water out of a muddy mm-hmm. uh, little pond there that livestock are, are drinking out of, you know, that kid's going to say, well, this is what I drink. And it's such a shame. So you get that as kind of, you know, you set the table. This is the problem. And uh, a lot of times it's a prospective well site that we're going to do work at. So you get to know the people there and then you get to go see a place that we've actually implemented a solution. And a lot of things that we touched on, you know, in it being a multifaceted solution is, you know, agriculture is going to improve. People are going to be able to plant crops. You know, women and girls are going to be able to go to school and work in the community in a way that their awesome potential is actually realized, you know, from, you know, pragmatically, we are not exhausting our potential as, as people in society. If some of the most valuable people in the society are spending uh, a ton of their time gathering water. Right. That's the burden that, that women and girls are shouldering around the world. And there's so many lost hours um, in the classroom, at work, um, with families. It's also a dangerous trek for a lot of the women. Um, mm. And it's a long and arduous trek. And it's one that's done all the time. So often to gather unclean water anyways. So, you know, it's, uh, you talk about agriculture, you talk about the economy, you talk about uh, empowering women and girls. You also talk about saving lives. I mean, diarrhea will kill uh, children. Mm. 
in East Africa. It doesn't have to be, uh, you know, some waterborne illness that sounds scary. It can be something as bad as dehydration. Yeah. So, you know, there's so many ways that this this improves the life uh, of, of the community that you're you're implementing this solution. And, and also it's like the hope, I think, is a big part of it. I mean, that's the intangible is, you know, the, the hope that something like this brings. We know that there's there's literally been, you know, conflict over water, yeah. armed conflict over water in certain parts of the world, which which goes to show you the value of the water. Also, a lot of the people that we work with are like nomadic uh, in that like, hey, they move around. A lot of Maasai tribesmen, uh, herders, people like that. And when you put in a well, like an area that we're, we're, we're helping, you know, thousands of people, all of a sudden you see this kind of congregation around the well where people mm. are spread out. But right. again, it speaks to the importance of this, uh, this, this resource. And water is life is a, is a saying in East Africa that we hear over and over again. And it rings true. Sarah, do you want to touch on a little bit of the app? Because I do think that that is a feature that brings a lot of efficiency and a lot of stability to the projects. Because like you said, I mean, once you leave, things are going to happen, right? It's still a machine. It's still, you know, they might have some digital aspects to it, but it's, it could break, right? There could be some some learnings, you know, when, when you guys leave and this is there, there needs to, to, to steward the the well, right? So, so talk about the technology that's been embedded in the organization. Yeah. And I, I appreciate the opportunity to talk about it because I, I would love to see a lot more awareness around the need for uh, attention to this sophisticated infrastructure in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Um, and we've been sort of conditioned or educated to think that once the water well is installed, then that's the moment for celebration. And mm. it's really kind of just the starting point. And, you know, in, in the earlier days of, of Well Aware, we, you know, we looked around and we saw that so many of these projects were not lasting past, you know, six mm. months or a year. And we thought, gosh, what a colossal waste of resources. But, you know, then looking into it more, we realized more than that, it's it's a huge devastation to these people that we're promising. Right. A new life, right? Um, and we, we thought, well, that's just unacceptable. So let's find let's find a tool that um, could help support these communities long term. You know, at the time, while well, we was smaller, and we could still drive around to all of our project sites and and make sure everything was okay. But for these larger organizations, it, it wasn't feasible. But in our search for that new tool, we didn't find it. So we thought. Because we're a bunch of stubborn people, let's just let's just build it. Sure. <laughs> and so, in typical Austin way, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. And that's what I heard was telling me. Just you just make it. So we did, though. Um, and now we have this tool, which makes so much sense if you zoom out a minute. Right. Because as Chris said, these people are brilliant. That you know they have they have all of the the uh, know-how they need to maintain something. They just need the communication about it. And so there's that. And then there's this exponentially evolving availability of Wi-Fi and mobile coverage in these regions mm. that is not leveraged near as much as it could be to date. So uh, we have built an app that uh, communities who are using our water systems can just open up if they have an issue and do diagnostics. Wow. Um, they are prompted to do regular maintenance, which at the same time is educating these people on the mechanics of the well. And it's it's been a really, really big success in a way we didn't anticipate because we knew that going into launching the project that uh, unfolding new technology in these regions is oftentimes 
uh, an, up, an uphill climb. Um, yeah. We didn't really meet that. I think that communities have been so eager for this kind of touch point and communication when they receive such a lovely gift, but then they're left without any resources or information to keep it alive. Finally, they have something that they, is an instant uh, communication or resource and a point of contact because we also have remote chat support available. Wow. Um, and they do not feel left alone. They feel empowered and they are are doing an amazing job now at using the tool and keeping their water systems running at, at you know at such a rate that you know we're already seeing our own maintenance costs be dramatically reduced. Hmm. Even our mileage reimbursements and having team like run out and check on things, we're diagnosing and fixing things remotely, and then that uh, makes the water system last longer. But just by virtue of doing regular maintenance, and also really makes our community partnership that much stronger, which is huge, and also lends itself to sustainability. I want to touch on you know, athletes and, and philanthropy a little bit, because I think, you know, athletes have such a powerful voice. And when, when athletes talk, people listen, right? Whether, no matter what type of issue it is. And so water boys, it, it seems like it's done a very, it's it sort of growth is athlete oriented to that you get some incredible people to go out on these trips, you know, do these, do these projects. And then they come back and they're, they're invigorated to share right? To, to yeah. share the work that's being done and sure to share the stories that, that they go through. Because in a lot of these things, the stuff really impacts, you know, our lives just as much as the work on the ground can impact the, the communities. To get in philanthropy while you're playing seems to be rare. But as you see athletes come up, you know, now, do you see athletes getting more involved in philanthropy across, you know, whatever social issue it might be? Yeah, I do. I think uh, social media has helped. I mean, it's like a platform where we as athletes could, during the course of my career, realize that we have this big platform, not just, hey, sitting up there at a microphone after a game or Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't know what it would have been before my time, but we had this direct access point to fans 24-7. And around the inception of Waterboys, that online fundraising thing was really taking mm-hmm. off. So I do think it's very viable uh, using athletes' platforms to make a difference. Uh, I think it's also important that athletes are careful and that they they do speak to the, the issues that they take on carefully and in an educated uh, yep. manner, and they put the sweat equity into it, which is something that's important to me with this is like, hey, I want to be in the trenches doing this thing. I mean, obviously, I'm not going to be doing the drilling, uh, but uh, I know my role and I try to play it. And I think one of the challenges of water and selling that as somewhere that people should devote their time and energy in the United States is that it's an outside the box problem uh, for a lot of Americans. Now, we we find out uh, the hard way sometimes that water is really important in this country and we will continue to do that until we address it. But it's, it's a tough sell for a lot of fans, at least when I got started doing this. And it's also a tougher sell than you would think to your fellow athletes because a lot of them have their own causes that they're championing. Mm. So it's hard to find the right guy or gal who's got a big enough platform, who's not currently um, enthralled with something else to the point where they can't give you their time. It's like recruiting. You know, you go out and you try to find the right <laughs> yeah. candidates that represent you know your organization the right way your foundation the right way that can speak to the issues and that are willing to go see the problem uh that have the time and energy to do that so we've been lucky enough through water boys to kind of build this collective impact model where i think number one you have to realize your strengths and weaknesses as an influencer or an advocate and some of mine were you know name recognition 
geography, you know, like when I started Waterboys, I was in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like the St. Louis Rams fan base. If you put a map of NFL fan bases up, I don't think that red circles going too far outside of like Missouri. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and I realized that like I needed other athletes. And so I just started, you know, telling that story to a lot of my peers and a lot of them were already aware of it, but didn't, didn't have a vehicle that they could jump into and drive. And that's yeah. a lot of the times what an athlete who's in this supporting role wants to do. They just want to help. They don't have the time or maybe the wherewithal to kind of orchestrate, but they want to join the fight. And so we, we looked for those people and we've had a lot of great athletes involved. We've had a ton of football players in the NFL, yeah. like 30, 40, 50 guys. Uh, we've had women's soccer players. We've had MMA people climb Killy with us. Uh, obviously, we've tapped into the veteran community. So I just think like, hey, I, I, I'm humbly appreciative of how much people have gotten behind my efforts. When I have, you know, that effort multiplied 10, 20 fold because of this collective impact, uh, there's no limit to what we can do. So that's why I've tried to invite my friends and, and uh, they've showed up and, and fans have showed up too. And it has been a, an educational process for them where they realize, oh, 785 million people around the world have, mm-hmm. don't have access to clean water. Okay, uh, even some of the people who are more, you know, likely to say, hey, I want to handle America, uh, America's problems first, like, I think we're all in it together. So personally, I like to work everywhere. But there's also 2 million people in the United States without access to clean water. And so we've done some domestic work as well. And so there's something for everybody in this, as we touched on earlier, it's an economic issue. It's a it's a human human rights issue. It's a it's a it's a women's issue. It's there's something for everybody. And so it's slowly but surely been in the forefront, I think, of more fans mindsets. My next question was around just sort of some initiatives in America. And is it would it be the same things where we still need wells in like let's say for instance like rural america or something like that yeah. i guess what are the issues <clears throat> you said two million yeah two in, million in america don't have access like wh- what is the differences or maybe some of the similarities that well, it's, pro- it's probably a little more complicated here domestically because the solutions are more complicated like obviously we go to you know <laughs> we go to tanzania or kenya and drop a well in the ground there's going to be thousands of people that are going to be able mm-hmm. to you know access this well and are going to, you know, as a community kind of share the responsibility. There's way more bureaucratic red tape here. Right. You know, there's also, a, you know, like in an urban area, you're going to run into all these different problems that you're going to run into in a rural area. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know there are urban uh, water access issues uh, and uh, issues with uh, the quality of the water all over the world. But in the United States, uh, it just feels like the, 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 uh, the scale of some of these cities uh, are so big and, you know, like some of the infrastructure that's been ex- existent for a long time uh, is maybe gone unchecked. And yep. in rural America, we've done a lot of work where we'll go and we'll put a well in for a single family. Mm. Um, you know, so we, we, we work on a lot of different scales. We've also done, you know, like I do as a sidebar, some education, uh, educational equity work uh, under yep. the foundation. And so like a nice uh, kind of uh, intersection for us is water access in schools because, you know, just like anywhere in the world, if you're not hydrated, if yeah. kids aren't drinking water, if they're trading that for sugary drinks, their health's going to go down, their, their capacity to focus, their capacity to learn and be at their best. And so like we'll put in filtration systems here domestically, mm. all sorts of stuff. But there's a ton of issues that we're going to have to grapple with domestically. And so I don't think it's the worst thing for people to look around the world and say like, hey, we can solve this problem while um, starting to tackle uh, the issues that we have here right in our backyard. The last question I'll end, um, we'll start with you, Sarah, is sort of 
when you look at you know maybe three to five years down the line and look at some of the goals and successes you would like to achieve, you know, as as the organization as this partnership moves along, what are some of those those goals that you would like to see occur? You know, I am on um, an ambitious and lofty goal to be a part of fixing the sector because there are a lot of organizations who are doing really mm-hmm. well meaning work, utilizing quite a bit of donor dollars and, and other resources, and it's just not it's not a it's not yielding what we planned it to yield, what they planned to yield, it to yield. And there are uh, not easy ways, but there are ways to be better. And I'm hopeful that the the app the, that we created is going to be a part of that. But if we could channel all of the resources that are already being put into this sector uh, into the right place, or just even lifting the success rate nominally, we could make such a bigger impact together. So as an organization, we're, we're somewhat limited toward that goal. But as a, as a human myself, I'm, I'm sort of, uh, I'm on it. I'm trying to talk about it as much as possible and create tools and educate people so that we can be better and we can, we can solve, solve this problem. And to Chris's point, we can be, our work can be an example for how we can be better here. And, but, you know, not in the exact same way, because here we have lots of policy problems in red tape and, and bureaucracy, but as a community-driven approach and as, you know, br- bringing people together and making water the anchor of community development and prosperity. Do you want to end on, on your goals, Chris, maybe for, sure. yeah. for the next three to five years? Yeah. Hey, listen, when we started this thing, uh, we had a plan. It sounded good. We were going to do 32 wells for 32 teams. It was going to be <laughs> easy to sell this problem. Uh, and it would be very symbolic of our league and the NFL. And you know, like all plans, they they change and you have to adapt. And for us, um, we, we got creative and eventually traded in that goal uh, once we hit the 32 wells, which was really exciting. We did that, I think, during one of the Super Bowl years. It was awesome. It coincided with our team's success. And then we said, hey, we need to think bigger and we need to move to a people serve goal. And so we moved to a million people serve was our goal. Um, it still is. I think we can hit that over the next three to five years. We're we're halfway there. We've provided, you know, half a million people with the gift of clean water and we're just going to keep rolling down that track. And I think, you know, partners like WellAware can be so, so instrumental in just elevating your game to where the next half million is easier than the first half million. And that's why we're excited to work with them. The innovation, again, we talked about the efficiency and just, uh, you know, like when you, when you, when you get, when you get involved with new people, it it just, uh, it's motivating and, uh, you know, it's, it's exciting. And so uh, I think our domestic work is going to continue to be important. Hometown H2O, working on Navajo Nation, like some of the goals we have here. Just And, and overall, not just, I don't want to get hung up all on the metrics and, and these hard goals, Like, but I, to move this issue into the forefront, ultimately, of, of people's thought process uh, here collectively as sports fans, as Americans, because even if, as Sarah said, like, hey, we want to solve the problem in the sector, we know we're, you know, not, a, I'm just one person, Sarah's just one person, well aware is one group, Waterboy is one group, and the scale of the problem is huge. But if we just work in good faith that we're going to not only solve, you know, problems for individuals, but we're also going to educate individuals about the problem you know even just people listening yeah. to this yeah that's a win because uh i can guarantee you there's some people that probably hadn't thought about this issue and you never know that person you talk to could be one contact away from a person that can just solve a ton of problems for us <laughs> whether it's because of an idea or resources or a connection um so just keeping the word going and keeping the ball in the air and 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 multiplying 
you know, the number of people that care about this problem. Well, thank you so much, Sarah and Chris. Incredible conversation. Thank I love you. talking about these topics. You know, best of luck for, for you and the team for, for the next decades to come and the and the new partnership. You look, a million is is gonna get there, right? And, yeah. and I think it's 10, 20, 30 million. I think that's that's what goes along with I like that. With it with the life's work and journey, right? Into yeah. into solving, you know, a problem is uh yeah. is like you said before, strategy and implementing certain things and just that's the long game at the yeah. end of the day, being consistent and, and sort of patient, right? In some aspects, but keep grinding and it'll Thank happen. You. So yeah, no, I appreciate, appreciate you guys it. taking the time. We'll come Thank back so to, to set our next goals. Yeah. <laughs> 20, <laughs> 10, 10 million and then we'll we'll yeah. go to uh We'll, we'll all go together and we'll yeah, record something. No question. Okay. Thank you so much.